Shoujo and Tell, where we discuss shoujo manga and tell who's hot and who's not, talk about themes, and just generally geek out. Today, June 2nd, 2018, we'll be shoujo and telling about the first eight volumes of Princess Jellyfish by Akiko Higashimura, which is actually a Jose manga, because they are kind of old, as far as I'm aware. I'm your host, Ashley McDonald, and I'm joined by Carrie McLean. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I love shoujo and tell. <laughs> I love wordplay. I first heard this, I was like, oh, this is great. This, these are my, I have found my people. You have found your people, um, yes. I, I have found my people. So a little about me. My name is Carrie, once again. I'm a writer and editor based in the greater Los Angeles area. I'm also an editor for BlackNerdProblems.com, which is a website of nerd stuff and pop culture from a people of color minority perspective. Um, my love affair with manga started a long time ago when I was a kid, and I started reading Sailor Moon back when it was pushed from Chicks Comics, C-H-I-X. It was a long time ago. It was a long time. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't even know right? People happening. were like, was that before Tokyo Pop? I'm like, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I read more Jose nowadays because I am old, <laughs> um, but shoujo will always have my heart. And at the heart of this manga, I think it really is shoujo. Yeah, I think it, it has more of a shoujo-y tone than, uh, than a Jose one, I feel at times, certainly. Totally. I think, you know, it's categorized as Jose. I, I, I respect that. I acknowledge that. But at the heart of it, I think it, it really runs, it runs deep as shoujo. And that's perfect for what the series is and what it represents and how the characters change. Yeah, I know. There was one point where I was like, I kind of forget how old they are. And then like one of the characters was like, I'm 30. I was like, all right, you are older than I thought you were. <laughs> Great. Cool. Um, but do you want to give a quick plot synopsis of what princess jellyfish is overall about so the elevator pitch that is spoil free that i could do the best i could do as i rewrote it so princess jellyfish is this wonderful manga series it's the tale of 18 year old tsukimi who is a jellyfish otaku and she lives in a woman's only apartment complex with other women who identify as otaku one magical day or one magical evening she's walking past the local pet shop in their neighborhood to see her favorite jellyfish, Clara, in the, her tank in the window, and she notices something is terribly wrong. Clara is in the tank with another jellyfish, which is poisonous to Clara. Oh, no. It's, is it, oh, my God. Like, it's going to kill her favorite jellyfish. She, you know, busts up the courage to tell the guy inside the store, and he's like, oh, my God, it's a weird, weird, you know, weirdo from the neighborhood. <laughs> And she's like, no, we have to save Clara. All of a sudden, this confident, beautiful, standing tall princess of a woman comes forth and they save Clara and their lives are changed forever then. Princess Jellyfish, read it. Princess Jellyfish. <laughs> it makes sense, you guys. <laughs> it makes sense. Also, the beautiful, confident woman is best character. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Catalyst for everything to come. Every, yes. Spoil free, spoiler free, the best I could do. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, you, when I reached out to you about like what series would you want to cover on this podcast, you were like Princess Jellyfish <laughs> immediately. 
Um, but I shamefully had not read Princess Jellyfish until now. To, it's seriously, this is shameful because so many people over the years have been like, you should read this. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And like, I just did not. And I want everybody in this audience to know that that is a very wrong thing to have done. <laughs> shame, a shame. I know. Shame, I am very shame. sad because this manga is so good. It's incredible. <laughs> so please just read it. So do you have like a spoiler-free favorite thing about this manga in general that could further make people want to read it? Oh, sure. Of course. So my favorite thing about the series so far is um, the introduction of the humor by the, the author, the manga guy. So her trademark style of humor is just... It's brutal. It's like cutting honesty. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly something that carries through with her other series, Tokyo Terrariba Girls, that, you know, you had a podcast about uh, not too long ago. It's just like this brutally hilarious, tragic, funny stuff to read. And I just I don't know anyone else who I don't know anyone else in the manga industry who's doing this. I just it it's it I mean it it comes across you know sometimes there's language barriers or sometimes different since di- different uh, different senses of humor don't get like translated very well you know when yeah. you uh, translate things but uh, it it's it's perfect <laughs> uh, you, you read Princess Jellyfish you're like wow I can read anything this this was legit so there's like the humor it's like it's cutting it's like consistent takes it, it, it takes no prisoners it's like quick jab that's i adore it yeah but and it's like not mean it's just characters like have little funny skits and then you're like okay a lot just happened in those three panels but then like cool moving on to other things and yeah car- uh comparing it to tokyo tarareba girls it's kind of like uh i saw the seeds of it in princess jellyfish you know clara sometimes becomes like a talking sentient creature in this (laughs) and like is like but you know and talks in like cutesy voice and like all these things which was a lot how the uh milton liver in tokyo tarareba girls were definitely (laughs) characters like hella a lot in that and like just go on random rants and stuff so i was like all right i see i see the seeds of the connection here yeah and that's why it's like comparing princess jellyfish to tokyo tarareba girls it's also like i think uh, Tarareba Girls feels more like Jose, like it's much more of, about yes. their 30-year-old trials, whereas this is, again, like, sillier and, like, much more hijinky and, like, yeah, stuff you like know, that. When, when when people try to figure out what shoujo and what Jose is, you know, we think of shoujo like, okay, it's marketed towards, or the target demographic is that kind of 12 to 18 mm-hmm. years of age, roughly, give or take, and then Jose is, you know, older. Um, so I think Princess Jellyfish kind of dips into that shoujo territory because, uh, Tsukimi is the youngest, mm-hmm. um, of the Amara. She's 18. I think Maya's maybe like in her thirties, like they're all kind of like older. So she's, she's kind of like the baby of the Amaras and yeah. it's her spring awakening or whatever, you know? So yeah, it totally has that sh- It's totally in that shoujo territory, but it is Jose. So it's. A piece of chocolate wrapped up in whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, And I guess the other main character is also younger. And Kuranosuke is my favorite character. I'm like, please be a real person and then come be my friend, Kuranosuke. Like, I'm in love with you. Dress me up. Be my friend. Yes. Do my makeup. (laughs) 
I love you, Kurenosuke. <laughs> You're perfect. Like, I understand how he's not perfect, but everything he does, I'm like, no, it was perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I, 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 I am a big fan of his. He's, I mean, there's so much comic relief. Like, everyone is a, I don't, you know, when they say, oh, so and so's, you know, they're reduced to comic relief. And I'm like, everyone is comic relief in this manga. Like, every single person is, is full of honey and hilarious in their own way. But Kirinosuke is like really interesting. Um, okay, are we in the spoiler territory now? Or <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, before we get there, yeah. before we get there, I will tell people that, uh, you know, Princess Jellyfish is published by uh, Kodansha. And as of this recording, the last volume has not come out, but it comes out in like four days. So <laughs> yeah, and then I, I guess this is the month of like Higashimura stuff because Tatareba Girls before had only been a digital release, but now they're releasing it physically, I believe. It comes out June 25th or June 26th. And then Princess Jellyfish does have an anime, uh, which I didn't see it on Crunchyroll, but it was on Funimation. So, you know, if you pay for the Funimations, <laughs> you can buy that. Or like... You know, the Blu-ray is like $20, you know, get you some Princess Jellyfish. <laughs> get you some Princess Jellyfish. Your life will be better for it. Yeah, it's seriously. Um, my friend made me watch the opening because he was like, it's really cute. And I was like, it was really cute. <laughs> it was really cute. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> okay. Now you can spoil whatever you want. <laughs> okay. So going back to actually your favorite character, Kirinosuke, um, so this beautiful, confident princess of a woman that saves Claire the jellyfish and saves the day ends up being a dude who is cross-dressing. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Of course. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So Kirinosuke, Kirinosuke, he cross-dresses. He has the wig and the makeup and all that. And he becomes friends or, no, he becomes friends with Tsukimi and starts a you know, be curious about her way of life and the other Mars and their wonderful historical apartment uh, complex building. And he meeting or their meeting uh, just is the catalyst for everything to come. Everything changes with his with his presence. Um, I really adore I really adore his character because I think in probably Western society, whenever we think of uh, femininity or masculinity, they're always to the extremes, right? We talk yeah. about like men and masculinity, it's toxic masculinity, it's men like not being vulnerable and not, you know, expressing their feelings, having to take anger management problems and be violent. Here, Kirinosuke gets to explore his femininity, which was really interesting. And not just because he cross-dresses, but because he's just more in tune to, you know, some of the women and just how women navigate society. Um Ashley, take over. I'm talking too much. <laughs> this is your favorite character. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Well, like, going off of that, yeah, it's, it's like he's so interesting because they do a lot of trying to define, like, you know, you know, there's a lot of terms in Japanese for, you know, people who, you know, we have, like, drag queens, but they had, like, I forget what, it was, like, half something, and then, like, there's the Okama culture, but he's like, no, 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 no. I, I identify as male. I just, I just like to cross dress. Like, gosh, <laughs> hop he's off. Like, ah. He's like, don't define me. Yeah, don't, don't put me in a box. Like, stop. <laughs> and then there's also that he is the son of um, his his uncle is a prime minister, but he is the son of Japanese uh, uh, of a member of the Japanese government, so the yeah. Japanese diet. Um, so he's kind of like. Um, he comes from a well-to-do family. He's also his father's legitimate son. 
Um, yeah. So he's he's always like being put in these boxes, of course, and he's always just slipping out of them, <laughs> defining himself for who he is or what he wants to be. Yeah, what I like about his family, it's like the setup that you're given is that like, you know, he does a lot of crazy things. Like he comes out in these volumes basically to the media and then the media is like, oh my gosh, the youngest son like likes cross-dress. That's weird, right? Like, oh my God, what is happening? And, you know, his family gets mad at him. Like his brother Shu is like, Kurnosuke, stop, you make my life so difficult. And like his dad is like jumps through a closed window and gets cut up to like tell him to be like, stay in this room, Kurnosuke. Stay in this room. Stay in this room. <laughs> just do it (laughs) because there's no threat there right like so Kurenosuke immediately leaves because he's Kurenosuke and he's like I do what I want (laughs) I don't care he likes to push the boundaries yeah Mm -hmm. but then like you know his family is actually fairly caring for being a politician family uh like (laughs) they get mad at him but it's not like it's not a consequential anger they're not like I'm never speaking to you again like I disown you or anything (laughs) it just feels like yeah Oh, Kurnosuke is being so Kurnosuke right now. <laughs> like it's another, t- it's another day ending in Y. Yeah, and they're and they're like, I really wish you wouldn't make my life this difficult, but also I love you, Kurnosuke. Sure, whatever. <laughs> like he's not cut off. He still has credit cards for some reason, right? So that know. that is definitely the most confusing part to me. I'm like Kurnosuke. Why doesn't your dad just be like, I'm never going to buy you clothes again? <laughs> you would stop immediately. <laughs> like, look, I've, I've watched I've watched dramas. I've watched K-dramas and I know the errors and, oh, no, my credit card doesn't work. You know, like, but hey, hey, and then the realms of making this work within the of manga, <laughs> like he, you know, he's like, oh, my gosh, this was a steal. And they're like, oh, the Mars like, how much was that? And he's like, well. You know, this jacket was like 200 and he's going to his outfit. He's like, it was cheap. And they're like, oh, my God, all our clothes together cost $36.26. And he's like, wait, that's like a tenth of what I thought you were going to say. So let me let me process this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble. Um, So we have Kirinosuke and his his older brother, Shu, (laughs) who is his father's secretary, the straight lace glasses wearing Always has a suit on. Um, He's a virgin. <laughs> Very oh, thank key. you, thank you. I was there. I was like, how do I slip this in here? <laughs> He's just straight. That's just what he is. <laughs> He's a thirty-year-old virgin who just does not have a clue. And he is his. He is. He is Kirinosuke's big brother. <laughs> and so we have their father. Who, you know, is the older, strict dude. You know, he's camera ready when he needs to be. And he's also just kind of like, I love, I love women. I love, you know, I I love, oh my God. He's yeah, just that like, weird. <laughs> he's like a little pervy old dude. And he's just like, oh my gosh, women just, they, they just blossom after they turn 30. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go take pictures with the peanut girls of this airline. And, oh, you know, he puts on a straight face. Oh, we're going to go see a play. And he's just, he's like so serious, but in like behind closed doors, he's like, oh my gosh, this pop idol changed her hair. And I'm just like, okay, okay yeah. Th- that that is the father. The prime minister, their uncle is, I guess he's the eccentric fellow out of their family. Cause he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so cute. Or, oh my gosh. You know, and it's like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, look at my, he's like, oh, Kieran gay. And he's like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. Look at my cross-dressing nephew taking pictures of him. And I'm just like, that's, that, that's who we have. So you have this very like straight lace, well-to-do family. And then behind closed doors are just like, <laughs> like everyone's a weirdo. <laughs> yes. 
And then another fave, Hinamori, the yes. driver of the family. The Benzotaku, yes. <sighs> the Benzotaku. <laughs> this man eats, breathes, sleeps Mercedes Benz cars. Do you think he actually sleeps in the car? Like, I really think that's like he probably does, right? <laughs> or, or at least, like, he's when he goes to sleep, he has like the printed pajamas <laughs> of like Benz and like the little sleep mask. He is just. You know, he's Shu's best friend or friend from childhood. He's a driver of the family. And, you know, he's loyal. But then it's like, if you bring up like, oh, you know, we'll buy you new bins this year. He'd be like, yo, so I'll go I'll go tell Shu and see what he's up to. You know, it was just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. part of the family. And he gets caught up in the hijinks um, of the story and the plot. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's why I think like Shu and Kurenosuke are clearly supposed to be like pitted against each other, right? Like not like not like in a competitive way, but just like in a story philosophical identity way. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it was and, bound to happen. They're foils to each other. Yeah, they're, they're foils to each other, and it's fun to see Shu. You know, he gives Kurenosuke at the end like some undisclosed filthy amount of money to like start their their clothing line or whatever. And she was just like, yeah, I just, I have, I don't like spend money on anything because I just live at home and I have no, like he, he's seemingly not an otaku. Like he's the one person who's like, I have no (laughs) real driving passions. The one person you would look at and be like, oh, I bet he collects figurines. And like he does it and (laughs) is like, surprise, surprise, Surprise. dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, He doesn't date because he's a virgin and whatever. (laughs) Yeah, just he's he's so vanilla. Whereas Kirisnoke, Kirisnoke, his brother Kirisnoke is just like so flamboyant and like so you, so you get like the introvert, extrovert, you know, and it's just like on this on the on the spectrum. One is like woo, and the other one's like eh, you know. So. <laughs> so it's fun to see Shu be surrounded by otaku and just be like, "What do I do?" And he's just like slowly so getting out. He's kind of like <gasps> behind the door, like, "Oh, what did I walk into? I came in here. What, what did I even come in here for?" Yeah, it, it's, like, it's hilarious seeing all the different characters and personalities play upon each other. Yeah, it's fun to see him get dragged in, being like, "Okay, Hinamori, sure, we're we're in the bends now. Okay, Kurnosuke, yes, you look pretty. I'm gonna buy one of your dresses, whatever. Like, okay, Skimi, you want to save this thing? Like publicly, I can't do that, but I like you, so like privately, I'll set you up to protest me. Like, isn't that fun?" <laughs> Basically, it's it, it's fun. This manga is a lot of fun. That's that's the one thing I can't stress enough. Um, and then we have Shoko Inari. Oh. So the 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 main you know, there's always like a big problem in a plot or a story or whatnot. So the big problem is gentrification is a real thing, even in manga. So their yeah. neighborhood is being slowly chipped away at by develop people who want to, you know, bulldoze this old, aging, beautiful, historical neighborhood. They put skyscrapers and, you know, all these wonderful new things that are coming. They want to put in you know, like a Google building and, you know, Amazon shipping. No, I'm kidding. But they want to, they kind of want to do <laughs> no. away with this old neighborhood and gentrify it up. And that means it'll get rid of the building that the Amars live in, the, the Tsukimi and her, her, all her wonderful roommates. Um, so that's a problem. So Inari, Shoko Inari is this beautiful, confident, and really crazy woman who works <laughs> for the folks who are in charge of that. And she's like, any means necessary to, you know, secure this building, get it sold, sell it, you know, and 
and, you know, do away with it as they're doing with all the, the different shops and, and the properties in the area. She, you know what? <laughs> On paper, like, oh, she's a successful, beautiful <laughs> woman. She, no, she's crazy. She gets her, she's like super crazy. And like the things that she that Oh, my gosh. Like the plot threads that she drags everyone, you know, into is just so like hilarious to watch because she gets ca- she gets caught up with shoe. And it's just like, <laughs> Poor I, I mean, yeah, but it's like, I can't believe this is happening. They're like, oh, what? Shoe? Shoe? You were with? Yeah. So um, it's good stuff. You have, you have a character for every day of the week and then some. <laughs> I mean, Inari was the admittedly the hard, hardest character for me. Like the plot lines that she brings into it. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what? I don't know. Some of the early chapters, I was just like, uh, okay. And then I guess the turning point where, you know, she, like, tries to be funny with Shu by, like, pretending that she committed suicide, and then he slaps her. I'm like, all right, cool. This is an extreme situation. (laughs) Extremes, extremes. But, yeah, there was that scene where, you know, she made it it seem that, you know, she had committed suicide or she was in the process of doing so. And Shu is just like lovable goof aloof dude so he goes he's like oh my god like she she's she's about to kill herself so he goes he's like i don't like her but i can't let her like i'm not a terrible human right so like he goes you know to her and she's like oh well he's coming she took some vitamin pills and and he gets her and she's like psych and he smacks the heck out of her like don't hit women but (laughs) he regrets it he apologizes Yeah, yeah, uh, but don't don't hit women. But you know, no buts about that. He smacks the crap out of her, and then she realizes he's like a really like legit dude. Like he's genuine. Like I came to make sure you didn't kill yourself, and you, you're joking. And that's when she develops feelings for him. She's like, oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so freaking bizarre. It's pretty weird. It's pretty weird that everybody's in love with Shu too. Like, how does Shu like stealing this show? He, he is the heartthrob, but I'm just like, you know what? The heart wants. <laughs> You know, but after that, she kind of, like, killed her chances because he's, like, this vixen. Yeah, everyone calls her the vixen woman, the Amars. They're like, oh. Yeah. But it's interesting because it was interesting to see another female character who has so much power and, like, um, prestige, you know? Um, all the Amars, you know, outside the Amars, like, every other woman is, like, a stylish woman or whatnot. They're, like, these capable women. There's, there's this capable woman who's very powerful, who goes head to head with them in a sense and they're they're not sure how to you know they've never come across anything like her so she was an interesting female character and i'm not quite sure if she'd be like a femme fatale or a black widow type trope <laughs> yeah. but um she certainly played her role mm-hmm. i mean it's just a very in- there are a lot of interesting inversions going on with Shu and her and like yeah they're like gender swapping sort of thing there for the power balance but also because is very aggressive right she's very aggressive she's like oh when this were her hometown she's like they called me the man maker like she takes pride in her sexual progress progress and you know she takes pride in her work and sealing the deal and 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 controlling men so i mean kudos to her (laughs) (laughs) like can't Someone's get you though, so she can't. So she actually develops feelings for him, and she's like, "Oh my god, like I want to run every time I see her." <laughs> and he, when he's blushing around Tsukimi, she's like, "Why are you blushing?" And she's like, "Have I fallen for this three-year-old virgin?" Like, yes, you have. Yes, you have. So with the Amars, 
And to give some some clarification, so where the Amaras live, Tsukimi, Maya, Banba, Chico, Gigi, um, it's this like historical district where the apartment complex is like 30 years old. It's retro and beautiful. And the place is, an, is, is has Tsukimi and her, her roommates of sorts, and they're all otaku. So they're all like outsiders, like the weirdos. And there's no men allowed, right? Yeah. There's also a, a manga uh, author who lives there who we never see. She, they send notes under the door. So there's no men allowed. <laughs> it's like this refuge for like otaku women. And they all have their otaku, um, you know, uh, specialty, if you will. And they're all kind of, you know, on the fringe of society. Like they're not in school. So the term neat, N-E-E-T, yeah. Uh, I had heard about it before. You know, I started reading this manga, but it, it jogged my memory. So needs is not with education, uh, employment, employment, or training. Or training. Yeah. So these are unemployed women, young women, and they still get allowances from their parents. So they are, I guess, some type of criticism of maybe millennial women in Japan or millennial people in Japan. Like these people who haven't haven't gone to the job force, haven't finished school, whatever, whatever, whatever. So like the weirdos are outsiders of society that are like ostracized, if that makes sense. Mm. So this is why having their home is so important because this is their only place in the world where they have, they feel like they have a home. Um, so Sukimi is our, our, our star, our glowing star. She is the youngest. So she is 18. She is the jellyfish otaku. Uh, her mother passed away when she was young and she loved jellyfish. And some, some part of her, her mother's memory is rooted in how jellyfish always made her feel good. And she liked reading about them and going to the aquarium with her mother and her family. And then, um, there's a few others. So, uh, with Maya is the dynasty of the three kingdoms, yeah. uh, otaku. Oh my gosh. Maya is like maybe perhaps, perhaps the most extreme, like the most vocal. She'd be like doing like head, <laughs> headstands and like cartwheels. And she's like, for the glory of Lubu when he was captured. Yeah. You're just like, I don't understand anything that you're saying right now, but okay. And the sad thing is I do because you I do? played a lot of those games. I'm just like, oh my God. I definitely at some point was kind of like, can I just like skim her di- like dialogue and like get the same thing out of it? Like probably. <laughs> right. So like Dynasty of the Three Kingdoms was like a hack and slash video game franchise that hasn't put out a recent, but it's it's based on historical, somewhat historical, pseudo pseudo historical events. And it's it's just like if someone if you have a friend who likes the historical like K dramas, it's just yeah. like that, that basically that in a sense. Um, you know, so she is just like, I'm a warrior and we're, or this is my proclamation, proclamation for battle. And she, she is like, and then she's super weak. She's like, uh, oh, anything stood in my way. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> like, she's like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, which is, which one is your favorite Amar? <laughs> which one is my favorite Amar? Oh, I kind of actually like, okay. Skimi, obviously, but like, of course, I think I have a lot of respect for Gigi. Like, I think that she is very, um, like, you know, volume eight or whatever ends with her being like, I will be the 
operational assistant or whatever manager of the of our dress company jellyfish and i think she she just has a lot of like she's like steady she's not super she her deal is that she likes older men or whatever with wrinkles yeah she yes. likes the older distinguished gentleman with the wrinkles <laughs> so you know uh the two pervy old men she's like totally into them <laughs> she's like oh they're so handsome and i'm like that is a fandom yeah yeah okay. you're like that you two y'all belong together exactly <laughs> So I think I have like a lot of subtle respect for Gigi and just like being like kind of a steady, good presence where like Bamba and Mayaya like kind of are very uh, bombastic again. <laughs> like, yeah, they're very they're like the least helpful, but also kind of the most <laughs> like vocal and everything. Chieko's also pretty, pretty good. Steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> Uh, well, Tsukimi, of course. Um, exactly. See, she, no she, she's, she's our glowing star of the manga. That's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, it's just... <laughs> Banba and, and my... my and, okay, so Maya and, and, and Banba, they're they're the most vocal. So Maya's the most... She's the loudest. Banba, she's like the, the wittiest. Like, she'll be throwing in those little barbs there. And they're like... Maya's like really just like, oh, she's like eccentric and like in your face and she do a headstand and be like they've captured me you know yeah, yeah. send guan you you know she's she's really like they have their little like comedy duo routine going on yeah yeah for sure. and, and bamba's like yeah she like she may not understand it but she's like the tightest with her and like they'll go off and do stuff together and it's like oh like for example later their first fashion shows and Maya's like I don't want to do this and she's like I'm gonna go get those those capsules of Dynasty yes. of the Warriors and she's like okay so they're they, they work <laughs> a good they work a good team together <clears throat> yeah they're just, they're just good fun. They are good fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good fun. Uh, we haven't mentioned Nomu, who's not really in Amar, but she like she lives there for like three volumes. I think that's that counts. <laughs> right. So Nobu was the otaku who the the doll otaku who who makes yes. clothes. Mm-hmm. And this is this is interesting because when they first need like a prototype, where they need like a, a what is it, like a draft dress. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we're going to mass produce. So here, they, they, you know, Chico's like, oh, I have a friend. And she's the best. And they go to her. And it's a room full of dolls. And all the dolls dolls. are looking at them. And I'm like, oh, my God. Nope. This is not the this is not the island of dolls and Carrie's not going, Um, which is interesting place. People should Google. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah, so Nomu's like, oh, you know, these are all my children, and I, I, I'll sure I'll make you a dress for the worms. Like, you know what? Yes. Like how she refers to like normal people, stylish people, is just like, oh my god. She's like, humans are maggots. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's extreme. There you go. And I'm like, that's extreme. <laughs> so you know, you have these people who are like popular in their own subcultures and circles, right? Yeah. But like to everyone else, they're like freaking weirdos. So it's like. Okay, we get another layer of otaku and weirdo and, uh, you know, on the fringe of society. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely like, all right, Amara's level. I'm like, I can I can do this. I'm like, no, it's a little creepy. I think it's also because it's like the name of one of the like evil people in My Hero Academia, I think, too. And I'm kind of like, oh. she's weird and creepy. And I kind of get weird, evil, creepy vibes from it. Yeah, like she does. She does. She doesn't try to be polite. She's like, "Oh, oh, this this one guy in a suit, shoe brought up, uh, you know, homemade Japanese pastries. I'll take them while everyone's out." 
go away, maggot. Like she's yeah, just like, away. no, you know, no Fs. She's just like, whatever. I'm going back to my dolls. You know, it's the, the true humans of society. Right? The like everyone's a weirdo, Ashley, which I, which I got, but you just get all these extra layers of weirdos. You're like, like, how much weirdo can I take? This is the test. The test is princess jellyfish. You will learn how much weirdo you can take. You will learn. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, it's so hard to talk about themes in this manga just because I feel like they're all so interconnected to each other. Um, true, true. But I guess that, you know, the the one that I guess most of them fall under would be like identity politics, right? Of like, how do you define yourself? How does society define you? How do you navigate bridging those two identities or like making people come to understand you? So many questions, so many things. <laughs> Of course. This is why this manga is so great. So if you want, I can I can take the baton and, and start first. Yes. Um, what, what what interests you the most out of all these identity politics first? So when I started my reread of Princess Jellyfish, I was thinking, what are major things that pop out to me? And the first one was identity. Um, everyone has this, everyone's like stuck with this, this image or this identity, um, given their, their standing in society. So for Shu, he has to be the perfect, um, son of a Japanese minister, right? Mm -hmm. For Kira's no, you know, his younger brother, he's like, oh, you know, there's like a box that you've been put into and you have to fight at it. For the Amars, I think it's really interesting because the Amars, Tsukimi and all her wonderful roommates, they're basically ostracized, but they take pride in that and they cling to each other. Um, so, you know, sometimes when you have people who are ostracized, they kind of, you know, get angry and, and protest and, you know, the like, like fight back. But then, you know, the Amars are like, look, it's fine. You know, we'll we'll endure these three seconds of, of you know, freezing socially and we'll go back and we'll, you know, have fun and have our hot pot. And, you know, they, they find community and family together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, identity is, is a really important theme in this manga series because it's like, well, who are you and who do you want to be or who did you initially want to be? Yeah. And who, who does society think you are <laughs> and right. all these things? Um, Cause yeah, there's also just like, you know, very specific Japanese context of in the beginning. I feel like it's dropped kind of fast, but you know, in the beginning, they talk a lot about how they're Fujoshi, which I always struggle with what the definition of Fujoshi is because I think it's come to mean something different than what it, it originally meant. But within the context of this manga, it was definitely being used as, you know, women who were not adhering to being like the good woman who's like, you know, does all the housekeeping, has a husband, like raises his child, whatever. Um, they're definitely ostracized, like not caring about their clothes and all these things. And I think they take, yeah, they take pride in being Fujoshi, but also in the same way that they're kind of like, well, you know, society has basically forced that label. Like that's how they see me, but that's not necessarily like encompassing what I feel inside, you know, because like yeah. they don't feel like they're bad people. They're just like, I just really like Three Kingdoms, like hop off society. <laughs> no, sincerely. Um, it's interesting you bring up the Fujoshi um, term because when I first heard about it, um, it's funny how we learn about different terminology and it means something culturally or we get it in a different, you know, medium or whatnot. So I first heard Fujoshi. I, it came to me in the way that it describes a woman who reads BL, Boys Love, right. a manga. So that's how I think it's more commonly used now. Right. It's my but, understanding. But the 
that's a more, I guess, specific definition. But the overall, the general term is the woman who doesn't, um, you know, she she doesn't adhere to societal standards and she does what she wants. And a part of that is like, oh, she reads boys, boys love manga. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, and that is that is gross, wrong a, or whatever people, you know, label it as and what have you. Um, this is actually a good segue for us to kind of transition to the everyone is an otaku, just to kind of link that together. Okay. So in this series, um, <laughs> we learn that everyone is an otaku. Everyone is, a, just about everyone is an otaku, minus you, because he's vanilla and he's boring. He's he's getting there. He's getting- <laughs> I yeah, have confidence. Well, he's a Tsukimi otaku. Like, <laughs> He's getting sucked into everybody else's otakuness. <laughs> He is. He's like a sponge, and I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I think you had written. It can bring everyone together, even if you're not in the same fandom. So, just in the example with the Amars, they're all into something different, but they all kind of respect and try to, you know, cheer on. Like, oh, you know, did we record this, or or did you, you know, take the right train to go to the meetup for whatever? Or yeah. they all kind of like support each other. I think this is an important um, place note that I just want to talk about. So Princess Jellyfish has correctly defined what an otaku for me, what, yeah. what an otaku is for me. Because when I was growing up, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, we're otakus. And we're like little nerdy kids hitting puberty because otaku, from what our, my understanding was when I was younger and, and up until a couple years ago was, oh, an otaku is a person who likes Final Fantasy games and, you know, manga and, you know, watching, you know, Cowboy Bebop. So it was a person who likes Japanese products, mm-hmm. right? So that people that you were weird, like, oh, yeah, I read a lot of manga. I'm otaku. And then I started reading Princess Jellyfish, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's like a derogatory term, right? Oh, yeah, totally. In Japan, <laughs> yeah. it's a derogatory yeah. term. Yeah, but, you know, some things get lost in translation. Sometimes we kind of give our own meaning to different terminology. So I was like, okay, so otaku is a basic working definition for someone who has an obsessive tendency towards something or fandom. Yeah. To the point where it's like, it's gross. Or it's like, oh, okay, she's otaku. Hmm. So that was really eye-opening for me. So that's why in the series, you say, oh, she's a jellyfish otaku. She's a train otaku. It's like, otaku is for anything because everything's a fandom, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why it's always, yeah, it always is so fun because, you know, in America, we just use otaku to mean being into Japanese stuff because it's a Japanese word. So only like weeaboos know it and stuff, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, look, the more you know, and knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. It's true. Um, I think there is a, like, uh, I can't remember the word that's, like, more derogatory than otaku because it means that you're, like, literally a shut-in in Japanese. Oh, yeah. But there, there are still levels, right? right. Like, um, and I think what's what's eye-opening to for me, like, is uh, on a personal level, like, uh, I've always had these, like, people... I play ice hockey. I do a Mongo podcast. I like work at a subscription reading service. So people like look at the things I'm into and they're like, those things don't like go together though. And there's always traditionally been, you know, some bifurcation between jocks and, you know, book nerds, like aren't supposed to get along or whatever. That's the stereotype of like young adult fiction and whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. So people look at me and they're like, that's weird. And I'm like, no, the people who are into sports are just sports otaku, though. Like, they're Thank just... you. 
they just like watching people like they get into statistics like come on like they're just march madness comes around everyone loses their mind and i'm like sitting watching like professional wrestling in my room like oh my gosh when will this be over then wrestlemania comes over and they're like carrie calm down right (laughs) Right. and then you're like they're buying paraphernalia and everything i'm like y'all are just otaku don't don't lie to me You know, when we talk about fandom, like in the Western world or Western society, everyone nerd or geekdom or nerddom is mainstream. Now you go to like an example I had for one of my brothers. I was like, look, you go to San Diego Comic-Con and the cast of Game of Thrones is there. And, you know, people who like Game of Thrones, which is a lot of people lose their mind. Like everyone is a nerd. It's mainstream now. Of course, it's only because I'm a feminist. I'm going to segue into this. It's only when fandom gets feminized when girls start reading when women start reading it mm. oh girls are watching teen titans we're going to cancel a show because they won't they don't buy toys it's only when 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 women start watching when it gets feminized people like to like roast it on twitter and like try to bury it but it's totally fandom is anything can be a fandom you can be otaku almost anything it's almost disgusting right it's almost yeah now that we've all come to this realization it's kind of like oh no we're all just sad nerds <laughs> we're living mm-hmm. our weird lives <laughs> but i it's think great. it's good because you know i think that the more that you realize that you're all just like you know you're just being hype about different things the more that you can respect other people's hype for different things right like totally that's oh my I gosh yeah. i have a friend who loves football i can, and football is in the sense of like football not soccer because they're called <laughs> different things in different parts of the world yes. I, I fall asleep on football I talk about wrestling and she's like, okay, that's care, right? Like, look, yeah. when, when, when NFL comes on TV, that's her thing. You know, someone's like, yo, that Japanese wrestler. I'm like, I love them. I would die for them. <laughs> right. So look, we're all weirdos for different things. I love it. <laughs> Kurenosuke is a, a fashion otaku, even if that has not explicitly been said, right? In this manga, <gasps> but he totally is. <laughs> Thank you. And clothes, uh, clothes are just such a part of the moving theme throughout the series. That is, thank you for pointing that out. Thank you. You, you get like three brownie points. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, clothes are very important. I mean, this manga definitely has the like kind of stereotypical message of like clothes define who you are to society. So you have to get dressed up because otherwise it's your, it's your armor or whatever. Um, and that's how you will fight the political corporate overlords who are trying to destroy your your place of living right now. But again, I feel like Kurenosuke is, you know, he's respectful enough to be like, I don't need you to be wearing these dresses all the time like me or whatever. You just, I need you to be wearing them for five minutes in this fashion show. <laughs> yeah. Or when, when I force you guys to go out for tea or, you know, <laughs> to look out stuff, uh, we need to dress up. Um, totally. You know, clothes... And it takes on a much greater meaning in the second half of the series, of course, with a particular Ooh. character we're not going to talk about until our, our, our next next time we meet. Okay. Um, clothes are su- such an important theme and, and motif and item, and they're very important. So, you know, we talk about clothes. Clothes make the man or woman or jellyfish. Um, person. Person. <laughs> doll. Non-binary, non-binary <laughs> person. Per, you know, doll. Yeah. Um, no, but like gender you know fashion means something different to different to to you know men and women and just for i think kira say is always trying to explain and demonstrate to the mrs hey you know there's certain level a man a dude is trying to explain to women there's different <laughs> levels of femininity you have to employ to successfully navigate society 
So, for example, with Shoko Inari, the um, the shark woman, the vixen, um, the villain. Yes. Um, she is she is always in a great um, business suit, right? Her hair is always done. She's always doing her makeup beforehand. She's like always ready. That's a capable woman in society. And the Amars are just like clueless, right? The fashion, <laughs> yeah. they're always wearing their sweatpants and, you know, give up on life pants. I feel for, I am that way too. I'm like, Amars, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I know, like, I'm not a fashionista either, but I'm like, every now I clean up good every now and then. I'm just like, look, I know I have to look a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. To be taken seriously, to get the job, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they're so clueless to this. And it's it's like fascinating to him, right? Kieran Osa is like, what? He's like, how do you not know what silk is or, or whatever? He's just like, he's How do you not know what Chanel is? <laughs> yeah, he's like, Chanel number 19, you know, it's good perfume. I just, it's, it's, it's cool to see how it affects men and women. Cause you know, she just wears a suit every time. It's probably the same suit. I don't know. But- <laughs> yeah, he's only bought one suit. Right. Like, but women have to be more, they have to do more and they have to, it's, they have to work at it harder and, and be in style and trends. And it's, 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 it's fascinating to see. It's good social commentary too, regardless of where you live. If you're in Japan, if you're in California, if you're in, you know, Malaysia, it's, it's, it's important commentary. Yeah. I almost wish it went into more fashion for men, uh, commentary because I mean, you know, Kurenosuke doesn't work. He's supposed to go to school and he often does not. Um, but so he gets to wear like more casual clothes, even when he is dressed male, like he does get dressed up to go to like the political party or whatever and adorably tells, uh, Sakimi not to fall in love with him or whatever. But <laughs> I, I was like, this little brat, <laughs> I was like, that's such a cliche line and I love you, <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, I don't know, having, because I, I feel like there's a, certainly in Japan, a restriction on, like, men are always wearing those suits to go to work. Like, that's their one thing they're allowed to wear is basically if they work in any corporate setting. Um, so I think it would be funny if there was more, like, political commentary on men's suits. Because, like, you go on a train in Tokyo and it's just, like, it'll be hot, but they're, like, sweating in these gross suits and stuff. And you're like, ah, that's... Japan. <laughs> poor children. Poor children. You poor souls. I know. You poor souls. Learn to get other clothings. <laughs> Not just have 10 things of the same suit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's interesting because Kirinosuke, he can um, he can move in both circles, right? He can dress good as a dude and then, you know, be elegant and princess-like and extravagant as, dress- as cross-dressing. So he can effectively work both circles. And it's just like, oh, okay. No, Kurnosuke, how do you, how do you, how, how so pretty? How, how so, so pretty? Why so, so pretty? Why so why? pretty? <laughs> how, how, Kurnosuke? So why many Kurenosuke? questions. <laughs> uh, I don't know. From a gender perspective, it's interesting to see Kurnosuke be like, I do not care about your boxes. Your boxes mean nothing to, these are just clothes. And I am just a boy who puts them on. So, like, cool. And it's refreshing to see, you know, them not, like, dwell on gender too much. Like, they they talk again about, like, Okama and everything. But nobody is, like, looking down on Kurenosuke for possibly being an Okama or anything. I mean, it's not a historical drama. You know, it's not set in a certain time period where he might be, like, seriously injured or seriously ostracized. Like, it's a more modern setting. 
where maybe some people wouldn't bat their eye too hard at this, but you know, he gets away with it. Cause he's and so pretty. <laughs> he's so pretty. And you know, he's seen as this prince. Sukimi's like, Oh, he's like this princess. Like he's like this beautiful, confident, um, you know, princess, this person. And I want to make dresses for this person. Like this person inspires me. So that is a part of his charm and his character and the lore of Kirinosuke. You know, he's, he becomes this thing for Tsukimi. Yeah. This is really beautiful. I really hope that in the second, like, you know, because Kurenosuke is able to do so many things because, because of his privileged position in society. Like, that's both why it's it's interesting that he, like, there are no consequences to it, I guess, because of his privilege. I would think that because he's doing this, he would lose his privilege, but, like, that does not seem to be the case. Um, but he's certainly only able to do it because he's so, like, he's like, money doesn't matter to me, but also I don't even make the money. My dad just pays for everything. <laughs> he's like, I sometimes go to college. So then there's that little bit of commentary about class structures, right? He comes for money. Yeah. He can spend whatever on whatever and not to have a much care about what he's doing in life because he's a young man who comes for money. He's used to a certain lifestyle and, and money being around and you know he's like whatever so <laughs> he's trying to help yeah. the little people now with his money right like making yeah. a clothing brand sell some clothing or whatever yeah but i i think it's really because you know there are so many things that if you looked at them on just like without any without reading a story you know just like as facts about these people you'd be like i hate these people right like they're all gross on paper I hate <laughs> yeah. Them. yeah on paper just straight up hate them but like Reading their story, Higashimura is so good at being like, yeah, Kurenosuke at at heart is like a manipulative person who uses bribery and like is lazy and doesn't have a job and doesn't go to school, <laughs> right? That's like yeah. actually what Kurenosuke is. But reading it, you're like, Kurenosuke is fantastic. And when he bribes you, it's because he genuinely loves you and wants to give you what you want and like all these things. <laughs> and wants you to realize something while you're working and bemoaning yeah. And he's, yeah, he's like actually working hard. Whether that's making him any money is like very debatable. <laughs> very debatable. I think that's also how we're going into the theme of maturity, um, growing up and having accountability and, and ha- wanting people to be accountable for their actions and and the like. Sure, mm-hmm. at the beginning, here in those guys, like, ah, I just want to dress up and be pretty. And he's like, yo, Sukimi's like my friend. He's like, well, I want you guys to have your home. And oh, I like I like being on being famous, being in pictures and being, you know, the middle of controversy because that's my life. But also I want you to have a place to live and I want you to thrive and I want you to be more than what you are now. And I want you to be able to fight for your yourself and who you guys are. And there's a lot of I think everyone experiences some type of growth in this series. I want to say, yeah, I'd, I'd say just about everyone, give or take. (laughs) And there's this whole, like, yo, stand up for yourself, or I want my friends, I want us to be able to fight the stylish people, or I want us to be able to stand tall against people who don't like us. So yeah, there's there's a lot of, if you go throughout the characters individually, which we can't do, um, there's just a lot of that. And it's really cool to see character development, character development. What's character? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's why, yeah, like, you know, Gigi coming and, you know, being like, I want to be this operations manager and even little thing, little smaller things, I guess, like Sakimi being like, I asked the stylishes to, if I could borrow their hair dryer so that we could fix the situation. It's just like, oh, it's so nice. She would have never did that. I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so nice. To, and like, you know, even with Mayaya, it's like, uh, there's the scene where she's like, I do not, you just glued a dress onto me, which I'm like, okay, that's fair. I wouldn't, just don't let them glue things onto your body. But like, um, but, also. <laughs> but also do. Um, but she, you know, she, you have the heartfelt moment of like getting her backstory of like, oh, well, people always made fun of me and I let my bangs grow and then they called me a broom and like all these things. But even Mayaya in the end is like, okay, I will do this for you guys. Like, I think she, you know, some of them hit their limits faster than others, but they all definitely have had their limits expanded. Hit their limits within the day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but everyone's kind of like, I think I love this idea of everyone putting aside their personal feelings, at least until like the meat came and they had like the hot pot or whatever. Or whatever was there to bribe them, like, yo, let me try it. And we may fail miserably, but let me, let me, you know, Maya went out and did like her fashion model catwalk thing for the, their, their, you know, their first um, fashion show. Um, yeah. So everyone tries and, and, and it's just, it's nice to see. I think this kind of segues into like sisterhood and female friends and your made family, like your tribe or whatnot. Yes. I love stories about women girls and women right Mm -hmm. but also i love stories about girls and women and their friends like i i'm always like thirsty super thirsty like oh it's a story about girls right yes (laughs) it's story right it's story about lesbians or whatever i was like yes so having stories about women girls and women written by a woman right Mm -hmm. super cool but like that sisterhood right because all they have in the world are each other and their parents just in the allowance but like i said all they have in the world is each other and that even that kind of family or, or or circle starts to grow with each volume right that's true. They are meeting more and more people. <laughs> right? And some of them are men. Shocker. <laughs> some men came into um, I'm a musicon. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. No, yeah, I'm definitely always like, oh my gosh, stories about female friendship are so great, especially when it's not like cuz again, I feel like we I feel like we live in a great time of fiction that is just unapologetically positive in storytelling in a way that I don't really that has never really stood out to me aside from you know like PBS kids shows when we were younger and stuff like that and I think it's different than stories that you know always have morals to them because it's like that's kind of like overcoming something or whatever but I feel like Princess Jellyfish is in the same vein as like Steven Universe and stuff where it's like it's just yeah people being positive all the time and so like I feel like you know, we would get a lot of stories where it's like female friends, but they're always kind of at odds with each other. Like we did Fishigi recently, like that's about female rivalry and all these things. And I think that that's a, prev- a much more prevalent story that used to be present. But now it's like Princess Jellyfish is just like, we are friends. We are, we are Weirdos. our own little <laughs> weird family Clan. thing. We support each other so, so much in all our respective fandoms. And I'm just like, thank you. Like, they're not competing for anything. And yeah. That, that's real life. I, I am liking this, uh, you know, there are so many things that sound boring on paper, but in actuality, it works really well, thing that we're doing. Because um, I also think that, you know, this manga has such a limited setting, right? Like, it's like this one neighborhood, usually this one this one place where they all live. Sometimes they go to Kurenosuke's mansion, like, ooh, la-di-da. Yeah. <laughs> they, they stop at a beach sometimes, but, like, basically it's, like, this one little ward of Tokyo that they all seem to live in is the only place, and they, like, mention other places because Sakimi's from 
a place that's like really far south in Japan called Kagoshima. But like in general, I'm just like, wow, yeah, I, I love the emphasis. I love things that emphasize the importance of of like physical place as well. And like just physically and the power of physically being near each other. Cause I feel like, you know, otherwise these weirdos like would not hang out with each other, but because they're all forced yeah. together uh, by this shared sense of place that they have, they're like, okay, we have to come to learn to respect each other because we all literally have to live here. And some people are trying to make that harder than others. So let's try to figure out how to coexist together in a way that like, makes sense but also respects us as individuals totally totally that was a long like rant. yo <laughs> mind your business leave the weirdos alone life life goes about like they're not hurting anybody <laughs> yeah they're not they're trying to save some jellyfish sometimes like come down <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about the storytelling um going into the art there's there's just so many fun things and fun, like, running gags and jokes and whatnot <laughs> throughout the series. So what was your favorite? Or what was one of your favorites or something that stood out to you? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, in the in the beginning, it was definitely the use of, like, ink swatches or blood splatters. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be blood splatters. Um, yeah. Because it, I feel like it's such a trope in, like, shonen manga that, like, you know, some big beefy guy would, like, punch you in the face and then, like, bunches of blood would splatter and it's supposed to be, like, so cool. But I feel like in this manga, it's supposed to be, like, look at this really innocuous scene that kind of happened, but that kind of involved, like, a nosebleed because you loved somebody or, like, because you failed at kicking down a door, which is what Kuronosuke totally does at some point. And then it's, like, massive blood splatters for a for effort and i'm like oh that's so funny so funny to me to have it be used that way like a shonen trope just to be taken and then been like lol hilarious yeah i like that like subverting tropes in in manga and like which is done a lot in in this series and it's like um when shu and Tsukimi, they go to the aquarium and then they forget her glasses. And then she was like, I'm gonna go bring her in, bring them in. And she's like in the middle of like taking off her kimono. So she's like, flawless. Yeah. She had a tank top. And he's like, oh. And he like walks out and like walks into a wall. And then like he has a nose for no <laughs> yeah. bleed. And his brother's like, what, what the, what's wrong with you? And then Tsukimi has one and is like, oh my God, you virgins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cuties. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was hilarious. Um, my my favorite like visual was it's the Amars collectively and individually they turn to stone and freeze when they're interacting with like stylish people or they get to like these outside outside their lair conversation interactions with people yeah i also really love this (laughs) and you brought up a good point you said it was like the uh when you get petrified like in a final fantasy game yeah it's totally that right (laughs) i was like did you say final fantasy did we just become best friends (laughs) Um, yeah yeah they just you know so that's a really bad status ailment to have in final fantasy that's all i'm saying like take out your whole party i know you just like as soon as everybody's petrified you're like oh i'm dead i'm totally dead (laughs) i'm dead it's like i didn't save (laughs) i know lost hours of progress 
I just I, I just love that visual because I'm introverted. So I'm that person you take to a party. If I don't know anybody, I'll like talk to people for 15 minutes and then I'm like doing something outside or like in the <laughs> kitchen. Like I'm I'm like very introverted and it's like I can't I gotta recharge and 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 be away from people and like go play with someone's dog or water their plants. Like that that's who I am. So this speaks to me as someone who's not who's sometimes socially awkward. Like they the MRs are like socially awkward. They're not they they weren't made for this, right? So it's like stepping outside. It's like a running gag in the series, but it's like stepping outside of your comfort zone, like being uncomfortable, like just being like socially aware that you are like not up to par to like yeah. have conversations. It's like sad, but it's funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And I think I don't remember if they actually turned to stone in this instance, but the really powerful moment where like, you know, they go out to meet Kurenosuke because they have a misunderstanding. They think he's at some club for Butterfly Otaku, but he's just at a club that's named Butterfly or whatever with some oh some stylish people. Friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, both groups meet and you're like, oh, no, how's this going to go down? Like, what's Kurenosuke going to do? And they're like, who are these weirdos or whatever? And Kurenosuke is just like, well, they're my friends. Like, whatever, we're leaving. We're just going to go get duck now. <laughs> like, fine. Yeah. But then he talks to the Mars afterwards and was like, hey, sorry, my other friends were jerks to you, like, whatever. And they're like, what? We didn't hear them because we just, like, clammed up and went to our own little worlds and dreamed about trains and three kingdoms and, and jellyfish. And self-defense mechanism, <laughs> yeah. right? They're like, we, we mentally, here's the vision, we mentally Tetris block, uh, take those Tetris blocks out and we fill them in with stuff yeah. we like. Yeah, we yeah. Oh, anything. yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and then they were like, maybe we were the rude ones, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my you guys—you guys can't be this like transparent. You guys, I was like, you guys can't be this adorable, but also painfully awkward. <laughs> it's so painfully awkward, <laughs> so ridiculous. But that was really fun. I love that moment. <laughs> oh my god! <sighs> it's like you can't help but for root for them. You really can't help but root for the Amars, all of them. You really can't. It's just. <laughs> um, yeah i actually really like well do you want to bring up your other other art points or oh yeah so um i kind of came across the act of looking through glass so it's like a window pane actual glasses you wear in your face clara's glass tank so that's kind of a, a reoccurring thing i see throughout the series so you have the characters looking through like the windows, like when will my husband return from war? Like looking for someone or like pining after someone or like reflecting on, do I feel something for this person? Of course not. That's gross. As or, you know, feelings are gross. You know, feelings are gross. <laughs> you have like the Amars terrified looking into windows outside of establishments in public that they've never been before that they're go that they're being dragged to because you know Kirinosuke or like oh we're gonna go to the meeting for the development to roll out our neighborhood but oh, we're leaving. Um, you also have them looking out the windows at home outside like hey we have a stylish person approaching or there's a there's a man approaching (laughs) shoes coming Um, oh no (laughs) right he has food okay little man Um, he has good meat great (laughs) meat he brought meat um shu and sukimi specifically for the glasses because um shu does this whole clark kenning thing clark kent superman um Uh with sukimi because he doesn't know it's her when she's dolled up in the makeover he doesn't like put those two to two together so sukimi's like oh he thinks i'm gross but he doesn't know who you are yeah, he doesn't. Then, 
Then he finally puts them together. He's like, oh, she's really cute. And the driver, Hannah Moore, is like, okay. <laughs> it's okay. He has no room to talk because he's a benzo taku. So. <laughs> right, right. So, um, like, with Shu and Sakimi, like, with their glasses, when they don't have them, when they have them, like, different things happen. But it's like, hold that. It's the uh, whole idolized, um, like, image of love or expectations of love. Like, she was, he, he goes off on these daydreams, like, oh, Sakimi is freaked out, like, oh, my gosh, let's get out of here. Yeah. He's thinking, oh, she's saying, oh, let's run away. Let's take a train somewhere and we'll have a farm on a ranch. And she'll bring me breakfast in the morning. And Like, right? Like, he, he like, takes this so far. And it, this comes back to bite him later in the second half of the series. Like, he just goes on a trip somewhere and goes to buy something. I'm just like, what are you doing, boo? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So cool. a lot of, like, the identity and self-reflection comes into play. Not just with Sukimi, but the Amars. Because there's mirrors around. So, you know, they're making these dresses and, you know, these jellyfish dresses. And it's like self-reflection. Like, I don't want to look at myself in the mirror or I was, I'm, I'm not beautiful or I'm not this or I'm not who society wants me to be. And I don't want to be reminded of that. So it's the self-reflection that's not always welcome with the mirrors or passing mm-hmm. by like windows or seeing themselves. But that brings about the themes of being a princess and being feminine and a woman and not being the image you want or the image you want to be. And that plays a that also plays with the Amars, how all of them are like, we're not models. There are all these different body types and shapes, right? Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, we can't later they're like, there's this, there's this defining moment. They're like, we can't wear these dresses. Who are we, who are we making these dresses for? You know, which is really like a sad moment yeah. of like reflection. It's like a pause. No, I really loved this observation because I was like, oh, yeah, I totally didn't put all those things together. <laughs> Carrie's much smarter than me. <laughs> like, I'm a manga taku. I'm a Jose manga taku. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, they do do a lot with glasses and glass and mirrors. It all makes sense. <laughs> it all makes sense. Actually, it all makes sense. sense. Damn it. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Nerds. But yeah, I mean, well, I also like to tie it to how, you know, Sakimi's always looking at jellyfish through Clara, Clara specifically okay. and other things. But yeah, like going to the aquarium in Kagoshima or whatever. And, you know, she, she draws jellyfish too, but like, I'm just like, jellyfish suck, right? Like, <laughs> you wouldn't want to touch one. And they stuff. can sting you. Yeah, because they like totally just gonna hurt you and everything so i'm like yeah it's you know it's it's her looking at something afar that's that's beautiful but like if you actually get too close to it it will it will hurt you and i think that's exactly what they're doing with like everything right they're like well it's fun to observe some things from afar because other people are having fun and like watching other people have fun is fun and and stuff like that but you you open yourself up to like if you get too close to beauty it's gonna it's gonna burn you right <laughs> like totally uh because it's not meant for us no but like the amars that's that's perfect um because it's like oh they'd rather stay apart from society or stay apart from people and not be burned or hurt or like they've done in the past and it's like you can't do that you can't go, you can live a closed off life you can be a hermit or whatnot but that and then in the end ultimately people need each other we need each other. We need people. We can't be so much isolated. So, yeah, that works against them. Yeah, and it also works on a level of, like, you know, Sakimi finding finding beauty within something that is 
you know, kind of sucky when you get into an ocean full of jellyfish. <laughs> um, otherwise mm-hmm. is also like, you know, that's, that's admirable. Like finding beauty in things that other people think suck, such as the MRs is like great. And I love it. <laughs> same, same hard, very hard, same, very hard. Same. <laughs> yeah. Were there any other specific art things you wanted to discuss? So this this is just like a minor note because I'm just like that manga otaku, not even apologizing. So um, <laughs> this I, is I a manga that, podcast. It's made for manga otaku. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, but I, I, I have that unfortunate habit of, of paying like close attention to detail, which not everyone does, not to brag or anything, but it's, it's sometimes no, it's, my a, it's a curse. It's a curse. Yeah, I, it's a curse. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Um, very hard. Thank you. Um, so with the, some of the screen tones that are used in this manga series. So first of all, screen tones are kind of like um, they're kind of like shadings and like textures that are added to manga in the panels to kind of like enhance the art. So it's something like a decorative measure or whatnot. But mm-hmm. when I say screen tones, I'd be like, hey, you know, like um, shoujo sparkles and like. You know, those lines in the back and the little the little things that pop, like little bubbles and whatnot, like those mm-hmm. type of things. They're very so, much usually like templates that they can just smack on the things. In. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to think they're mo- more noticeable in shoujo manga. Oh, yeah. But I think it's to some degree they're used like in all manga, period. But like shoujo, it's very noticeable. <laughs> so like the flowers and like shoujo sparkles and like the, the cutesy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that plays into the whole theme of how Princess Jellyfish is really like shoujo at heart, like in, in that territory, but also Jose. But for this series, I noticed there's like the bubbles and waves and like um, little water-like screen tones. Mm. That's not unusual, mm-hmm. but because of the theme of Jellyfish and how it's named, it's named the manga and the name of the the, um, the the clothing line, it just... It is. It works as connective tissue, right? Like I notice, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. cute. Like little, like I, I love that. That is a minor, small detail that I adore. I'm just like, thank you for putting that in for someone who's kind of like Hawkeyes, assassin eyes. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just so. I think okay, straight up, Higashimura has definitely become like I'm like, all right, Higashimura's art is beautiful, and I don't know why we're all not reading this every day because <laughs> she has just great drawings in general, and character designs are so unique and beautiful, and all these things. I could go on forever. We could, but <laughs> like, yeah. So just like I, I adore everything that Higashimura does with humor gags with you know, lightly using screen tones in ways that make sense so that it's not overbearing. But, you know, when you see it, you're like, okay, I feel you. And all those things. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I, I also loved when she, because, you know, the, the one of the back panels was talking about how it was getting turned into an anime. And she was like, I'm so scared of what the anime is going to be like. <laughs> um, and their character and designs. Then, and then she's and like, then. oh, <laughs> did I draw this? Like, cool like yeah you can use these character designs well she didn't but like yeah i'm just like higashimura don't crap on your art like you don't know that it's perfect like be quiet like don't don't undersell yourself girl don't do it we're not having it not in 2000 i know this manga was published for 2018 but not in 2018 that's the year of our yeah no yeah i was like don't don't give me this crap Higashimura. it's like don't don't tell me you don't know your cute kimi don't don't tell me lies 
<laughs> totally. Uh, I think it was the back end of that story is that the director, someone, an important role in the manga series was a jellyfish otaku. Oh, so yeah. she's like, oh my God. She's like, oh my God. She's like, wait, he knows more about jellyfish than I do. <laughs> yeah, right? So I was like, perfect. It all, it all worked. And it's the anime series, it's like 11, 12 episodes. It's really fun. Oh yeah. Have you, have you actually watched it? Cause I have not. <laughs> I've watched it through and, um, it kind of reminds me of like the Fruits Baskets anime in a sense that mm. you can watch the anime and not finish the series and you won't be like, oh my God, I'm Rex. Like there's no like... <laughs> it's just like ends randomly or whatever. It ends and it doesn't cover the entire series, the manga series, which is fine because that's a very long series. I collected that and I'm like, no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. Fruits <laughs> Baskets, no regrets. But like, it's a fun, short episode series. It's not like... One Piece or Naruto episodes in the hundreds, right? Yeah. It's like fun. You, you could kill it over like a weekend or whatnot. And that's most, I feel like for people, for Princess Jellyfish, that's the first bit of exposure. Like, oh yeah, it's anime and I'll watch it. And then they learn it's a manga and they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll check it out. So it, 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 it's a good like entry point into this fandom, the Princess Jellyfish otaku fandom. It's just the Princess Jellyfish otaku fandom. It goes really deep. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I feel like... The- does it end at a specific, like, did it end at something that we've already gotten to? Or does it, like, just randomly take stuff and keep going? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's been such a long time since I've watched it. I should have oh. I sh- I rewatched it before doing the podcast. Um, no, this is a manga it- podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a jellyfish podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> New podcast. Um, yeah, no. jellyfish podcast. <laughs> It is law. It is law. Um, so from what I remember, it doesn't end on a major, major plot point. It's kind of like an open-ended, like, oh, we're going to do this. Okay. Uh, which makes you want to read, pick up the manga. Right. So nothing too too serious, serious, serious. But like a fun little short series I would recommend watching. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this happens often with shoujo anime that's adapted from a manga. It's kind of like, it just ends randomly and you're like but wait there were like 20 volumes of this manga why is it only 11 to 20 Mm -hmm. whatever episodes which is a good strategy if you know you actually do go read the manga i guess but (laughs) yeah (laughs) i definitely like kurnosie's i don't know it's like i i enjoy that now the end of the manga has gotten to a point where it's like wow, they're like actually starting a business and it's not some like magic that's going to happen. They're like actually exploring garment factories and stuff like this. Like there are actually consequences to what Kurenosuke has done. They're like, oh, this is hard. And we had to ask Shu for like, you know, venture capital basically. (laughs) And like all these things. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) Yeah, the the second half of of the run really starts getting a lot more serious 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 very a lot more serious and there's there's actually planning involved and there's actually consequences like you said and then there's like you know where will jellyfish be in five years and where would it be in the spring quarter and there's there's actually a lot it the plot gets a little bit more heavier a lot more heavier but they're still like yo they're going through with this they're going to save their home. They're going to depend on each other. They're going to try to make this work. So yeah, it, it, you know, the plot thickens. <laughs> thickens as they say. Oh boy, I'm very excited to uh, read that. But uh, I guess first we should check in on the the ships that we have been presented. 
So Let those ships fly. <laughs> there aren't that many, but uh, as as mentioned before, Shu is somehow the hottie of this of this series. So he's the he is the catch of the day, right? Like <laughs> I guess he has a lot of money. Like no 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 shade there, man. All right, no like, hobbies, cool. <laughs> no interest, no hobbies, but, but lots of money. That's what I'm saying, right? Like. <laughs> We all need a shoe. <laughs> we all need a shoe. Um, but so so far, he has apparently wooed Inari and Sukimi, and I don't want him to end up with either. I'm a B-roll right now. <laughs> I don't either. So first and foremost, if I may interject, I ship Sukimi uh, with growth and self-love and finding out what works for <laughs> at the end of the day. First and foremost, uh-huh. that's my girl. That okay. is my girl. Number one ship, Sukimi and all the nice things because she deserves all the nice things. Yes. Um, with Shu and Inari, Shoko, on paper, it checks out, right? They're both functioning members of society. So, like, they would have his father's blessing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, he definitely like, wants okay. them to get together. Like that's... He's like, yeah, you know, she's already... I met with her, whatever. Yeah. So, on paper, it checks out. And then you find out they're just two weirdos, right? <laughs> Like, he's yes. the aloof weirdo, and then she's just who she is. And it's such a juxtaposition. Like, it's super hilarious, right? I'm just like, this will never work. And I hope it doesn't work, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, I just don't... I'm just like, Inari is kind of a crappy person. Like, I don't care that she's like... Like, sure, Shu maybe can make her, like, a slightly better person. Because she's like, wow, I did really do a horrible thing in tricking... Like, making a joke out of possibly having commit suicide or whatever. Um... And like maybe she she will come to see that you know by adhering so so closely to what society thinks of women a woman should be, but also like trying to you know amass all this power for herself that has just like made her a crazy person basically, <laughs> and she's also just a weirdo like everybody else. Like maybe those things are good, but I'm like, but don't don't bring Shu into it. Like I don't want you to love Shu. Like I don't want Shu to end up with you. <laughs> like I want you to do your thing over there, doing your thing away from the yeah. Mars and these people I've come to love. Yeah, like take um, the lessons and go somewhere else. <laughs> That's how I feel. Sincerely, there's there's a moment and I was rereading uh, probably in the seventh or eighth volume. Um, so book four of the combined, you know, books, combined volumes mm. were after the, the first fashion show um, at their home. Um, Sukimi gets a call from um, Anari mm-hmm. and she's like, look, I want you guys to know that that was like pretty impressive. And Sukimi's like, hmm? but she's like, hey, but then she goes on to tell Sukimi, she's like, you guys will never win. Yeah, she's like, it's all pointless, but good job. Yeah, she gives us, you know, she's like, I want you to know that, you know, when when girls like you come up against people like me, we are the ones that win. And it really shook Sukimi. Like, she was, like, in her working mode where she gets that glare in her eyes and, you know, she's, like, making clothes and, you know, doing things. And it shook her. And I was like, that is a very, that's a power play. And that's very telling of her character. Uh, and Ari's like, look, I get stuff done. I'm a woman who gets stuff done. Gender aside, I'm I'm the I'm I'm that dude. I'm the person who gets that, <laughs> yeah. gets stuff done, right? And it's funny how she believes she has the upper hand when I guess in the upper hand of love, Tsukimi apparently has over shoe over her with shoe over her. So it's kind of like these power plays where you think you're here and you're really here for what really matters, you know. Because she even travels to Korea for Chaco's mom, the owner, mm, yeah. you know, to get like the approval and, you know, the, yeah, whatever. And she comes back home and she's like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, put some moves on Shu. And Shu at this point distress her completely. Like she's, she's, you know, that trope of you've tried to like do something bad to someone like, you know, and you're, you, you're totally ostracized now. And she falls out of the story. So um, the, the, the story's plot line. So totally. 
very interesting character, a very crazy character. Yeah. I think it was purposely put to where like the woman was like a villain villain, like the face of the face of the she's pretty much the face of the people who want to take their home away. Yeah, no, I'm like, I like you as a, a villain character. I'm definitely just don't want you to end up with you in the end. <laughs> like, just don't do that. Um, both because I also think that, you know, I mean, Chu clearly has no no interest in her, right? Like, I mean, he he's interested in her as like a nice person, right? Like he doesn't want a, anything bad to happen to her, but he's not like romantically interested in her at all. He's a virgin. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- but then I'm also like, yeah, oh, but yeah, I also yeah, don't yeah. want to, because he is very interested in Sakimi. And I think I was almost persuaded to be like, okay, I would be cool with Chu and Sakimi being a thing because they do mutually like each other, right? And yeah. I did really like that Chu eventually did come to realize like, oh, wait, before Sakimi and after Sakimi are the same Sakimi. Like, they're the same person. Like, that's cool. And it was a nice moment. He wasn't like, oh, my God. And now I'm, like, totally turned off or whatever. He was like, you can totally do it, Sakimi. Like, I believe in you. You're the same person. Like, great. Um, so I'm like, okay, all that's cool. But in my heart, I'm still like, no, I don't want it. Because, <laughs> like, she still has this really, really idealized image of what yeah. life would be like with her that is based mm-hmm. on nothingness, right? Like... It's based on nothingness and like I, I adore Shu, but like no. Like no, we ex- expectations when we assume things and like when we have these high grand expectations of people and they don't live up to them, we take that out on them, right? So like I don't I don't want that. You know, it's really like puppy love. I think that might be the right term. Yeah. Like, you know when you read Shoujo and it's like, oh, he looked my way or he held my hand <laughs> yeah. during the spring, the spring marathon or whatever, you know, like Japanese like high school students that they yeah. have. It's like that, oh, Shoujo sparkle love, like that really idolized image of love from, from Shoujo manga. And it's like, that's the maturity level that those two are at right now, right? Not just because they're virgins, but just like, it's just like, it's super cute. And it's like, I'm glad that they're like coming into like their persons, like yeah. becoming adults or whatever and she was like 30 years old so like there's a joke there's there definitely too. a age gap that's a little uncomfortable there but that's because she's 18 and he's yeah. 30 i was like mm. oh my god <laughs> yeah that's also it's another like, part mm. where i'm like mm, okay maybe you should date in art right i'm just like go ahead with Choco. <laughs> yeah go and that aspect maker. definitely date in art <laughs> if those are the two choices like cool but <laughs> mm-hmm no, I actually think that I mean I'm I'm also glad that they are getting more genuine interactions with each other now. Like they are volume eight or whatever ends with them in a scene together going to the confectionery or whatever to talk about protesting and stuff. But I also think that at least Tsukimi, uh her puppy love, like I think she is highly aware that it's puppy love. Or not highly aware, at least she's... She, I don't think she's... As the two? Yes. Yeah, she, yeah. She is, she's the most self-aware. Like, she's not sitting there idolizing Shu. She's not, like, imagining a life together. Partially because she doesn't have enough self-confidence about that, right? But, like, mm-hmm. in general, I'm like, okay, at least she's just like, oh, I kind of have a crush on him. Like, that's cool. <laughs> like, oh, he's cool and he's dreamy. And she's constantly reminded that, oh, my gosh, they're stations in life, right? Yeah, like, oh, I'm I'm a taku. No, I'm I'm yeah. So totally. (laughs) So I'm like, there's there's room for that for me to possibly be swayed on the shoot and Sakimi. I don't think I will be, but possibly. Um, And and I'm sure there's readers like, yeah, I ship this. I'm like, cool, go down with your ship. Go down. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> yeah. I'm so very curious about how all these ships get so wrecked at the end. It's going to be funny. Um, wrecked. <laughs> wrecked. <laughs> I do. My heart really does like Kurenosuke and Tsukimi, though. I really, I wish Tsukimi, like, noticed Kurenosuke as a hottie. <laughs> I mean, I think I think on the on the main level of oh, it's a man, and then you know, whenever he's shirtless or he starts presenting himself as a man, like, hey, Skimmy, look at me, look yeah. at this dude here, right? Whenever he, I think she remembers, like, yes, yeah, but she's not man. into it, right? She's not like, oh, yeah. and then I want to kiss him, like he's totally like, I oh. want to kiss Kimi sometimes, but she's like, all nah. the time, right? all oh the my time, gosh, she's so cute, right? And he's like, what's wrong with me? No, resounding no. You know, what? why the ship of Shu and Tsukimi doesn't work is because they're too much alike. He doesn't challenge her, mm. I think. And what Kirisnoke is just like, look, he makes her get out of her comfort zone. and He's helping her grow. Like, he is the catalyst in her life to yeah. jumpstart things, as, as she is the catalyst to his life. So I think that they're total opposites and like that introvert, extrovert. They say <laughs> yeah. like opposites attract. And that, that works for some people. Sometimes you have two homebodies who just like to stay home and like watch hockey or whatever. And that's fine, too. So I think they're total opposites. What makes this ship um, give them a little bit more standing ground or whatnot is that um, they're both really similar in a way. They both are kind of tied to something, jellyfish or fashion, that is tied to their mother's legacy. So Tsukimi, she loved jellyfish and some of her favorite activities involved her mother, who had passed away when she was young. With jellyfish, they go to the aquarium. Her mom would read jellyfish book, or she would read jellyfish books when her mom was in the hospital with her, or whatnot. And with um, Kirinosuke, um, his mother—he's a legitimate child. His mother left him with his father because he was a boy, and you know, power structures and, and class politics, structures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, politics. There you go. But you know, he always saw his mother in these beautiful gowns when she sang or did acting or whatever it was. She's a singer. She's a singer, mm. and um, a part of her memory of his memory of her is her being clad in these beautiful dresses and beauty and fashion and that type of that is what he associates with his mother like grace and elegance so they're both really tied to the memory of their mother so when Sakimi goes to the aquarium she's crying over this is the last time or last place last thing she kind of did with her mom for her mother passed away and she's crying and then in the car because she's like oh I'm sorry I'm being like slobbering over he's like no I get it so there's that that tie-in to that they are their mother's children and that they want to remember their mothers in some in some regard and and that, that emotionally tethers me to them that's what i'm gonna say yeah uh, so you're invested in them because they have like kind of parallel stories but come from very different places sort of yes. thing yes yeah rds i am definitely very interested to see where this like mother like and privileged storylines end up going for them as characters that was certainly something that i was like hmm, okay interesting that's what brings them together keeps them together but what what will happen in the end i'm so trepidatious <laughs> you know um someone on twitter was like oh you like princess jellyfish I'm like yeah and i was like well i know what happens i was like shut up shut, shut up. up shut your face <laughs> shut your face shut your face reading until monday do not spoil this for me. <laughs> like do not spoil this for me right i know um oh my goodness just gonna have to read lots of volumes very quickly 
Yeah, because even if, even when you think while you're reading along that, oh, I know who she'll end up with or if the tide keeps changing, right? Oh, I definitely do not know. I'm like, are any of them going to end up together at all? I mean, I and you know, people point, are like, oh, she's going to end up with, you know, or, oh, so and she's going to realize her feelings or, or whatever. And I'm like, nope. I'm <laughs> like, don't do that to you guys. Do not do that to you guys because the, the tide keeps changing in the story, right? Yeah. Takimi, um, Kirisnoke keeps trying to like set her up or like help her like get dressed up to do things to her brother or his brother or like give her advice but always backfires because he's always interjecting like ah, whatever whatever and it kind of it kind of makes things awkward between his brother and her and yeah so there's like the whole fairy tale concept of like um presenting Tsukimi as Cinderella yeah and then she was a prince and then Kirinoke is like yo um um, I'm a fair godmother, but I don't get the girl in. And that, that was recognized <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. very early on, like yeah, in the first couple of issues. So, I was like, no. Yeah, so. <laughs> Kurenosuke. Yeah. I'm so sad. I almost don't feel like sad. I would prefer that none of them end up together, though, because I feel like that would, you know, at least I would, I would be fine with that. Like, I don't want them to end up with somebody that I don't want them to end up with. I'd rather them just be single <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Oh, no, no, that, that's that's a valid, that's a valid like ideal or you know belief. That's a valid thing to hold in your heart. I'm not knocking you for that. Yeah. What I what I think. So we're in the first eight volumes of the series, and there's this. You see this growth in Tsukimi of standing up for herself and being assertive and persistent and and being steadfast and being who she wants to be or who she always wanted to be in some regard. Um. There's a line I had to go back because I've, I've been I paraphrased it for years, but I had to go back and get the exact wording in the English translation. When girls grow up, every one of them can become a princess, right? Mm. Um, so I, I always go back to that that line as like maybe sometimes a tagline for you know my elevator pitch, which doesn't always go over well. People are like what? When <laughs> girls grow up, they can, every one of them can become a princess, and it goes back to you know when you're young and you're a young woman, when you grow up, you should be able to have the things you want. So, um, for example, Sakimi's mother is like, oh, you know, I'll make you a wedding dress that looks like the veal. It looks like a jellyfish, right? Like something mm-hmm. of me, something of you for something special. So it is, what does that mean to me? Um, that means when girls grow up, they can be what they want. And if that changes, that's okay, but they can be self, they can be self rescuing and they can be capable and they can be beautiful or cute or sometimes beautiful or cute. They can define who they want to be when they grow up and they should. That's what that means for me, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Like, I don't expect any of them to actually become princesses, right? (laughs) Like, uh, but I expect them to find happiness in the end yeah. i hope so oh my god i'm so scared now that it's got all serious mixed serious <laughs> yeah like the second half of the volume does get really into serious mixed serious land but i think that they've all we talk about that maturity and growing up and holding each other accountable and holding themselves accountable there's that hey i can't continue like i used to be i have to grow i yeah. have to do more i have to try and, you know, I talk with friends like, look, every day I wake up, I want to be that best version of myself. That means I always need to be growing and learning and trying something new. Not, you know, like not every day I need to be like, oh, I need to learn, you know, InDesign, yeah. but Adobe InDesign, but like InDesign or whatever. But it's like, I need to try to do better and be more. And I think, you know, while I'm in the second half of the series now doing a reread, I think everyone is, the Amars especially, are being more. 
and attempting and trying. And that's all we can do, right? Yeah. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I really do. And Kira's no okay. He he does he helps Tsukimi get there more so than Shu. But um I don't want to take a credit from her because she's doing work too. She's doing the work. Yeah. And I just love that. You can't make somebody do something that they don't like truly want to do in their hearts, you know? Like yeah. they have to do it in the end. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I assume that we will have a perhaps heartbreaking shipping corner in the second half as well. But um are there any other final thoughts you wanted to to say? Um, oh, first and foremost, Team Tsukimi. Yeah. Team Tsukimi and self-love, growth, all those wonderful <laughs> things because she th- deserves them. Um, we have a few minutes or whatnot left. I wanted um, to talk about the politics of Banba's hair. So for yeah. those who have been listening, it's like, who is that? So Banba. I call her <laughs> Wait, Baba. she was in this earlier. <laughs> Wait, she was this earlier. So she's one of the Amars. She's the little short, cute one with the afro. She does talk um, often enough so we know she's there. And I like Gigi. Gigi's the quiet. She's the yeah. train otaku. And she has that quiet, witty humor. And she goes along with uh, Maya. <laughs> Maya. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Banba has this afro textured hair. And it's often used as like a running joke, at least the first half of the manga series. And it kind of rubs me the wrong way because who usually has Afro textured hair? Black woman. And I'm a black woman. So her hair is really the butt of a lot of jokes. There's like a, in in one scene, there's like a train coming out of it, like one of her toy trains and like another, um, another scene where they're like burning like paper or talismans and her hair is on fire and they're like, bam, but your hair. And she's like, oh. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, Like, mm, um, and their first makeover events were Kirisnoke in cross cross dressing clothes. He he dolled all of them up. So they go have tea. Like, we have to, you guys have to learn how to put on armor and, like, you know, face society. One of their earlier outings, um, he has like a curling iron and he's trying to, like, tug it through her hair and it's not working. Yeah. He's like, I can't. And he just puts a wig on her, like a blonde wig. And everyone's like, oh, she's so cute. (laughs) So, yeah, the second half of the series, a lot less of this. But I know culturally different people in different countries see hair and like black hair differently. But for someone who for someone who identifies as a black woman and that my hair is like usually the butt of a joke. This really rubbed me like it made me like slightly uncomfortable. I was like, I don't really like, you know, sometimes humor gets lost in translation, but I didn't really like it. And I was like, I'm glad there's not much of this later in the series. But I did some research. I remember a few years ago I was reading how it was this trend. I think it's still going more or less. People in Japan and some Asian countries, but mostly Japan, mm-hmm. they would get perms to make their hair poofy, to have the like curly, curly Afro texture. And that uh. was a thing. And I was like, okay, well, I guess. <laughs> You're like, right? all right, Japan, do do you, Japan, yeah. Yeah, like, Japan, do you. But, like, I was, like, happy that, like, for once, like, hair, my hair, when it's naturally, when I don't straighten it, it wasn't, like, a butt of a joke. But here, it kind of it kind of phases out. But I didn't really like that. But I realized in different cultures and different countries, you yeah. know, there's, there's different attitudes. So there's that. I was mostly, there was one scene when they're like putting on the fashion show and they realize that they don't have an MC. So I think Banba comes and uh, like asks uh, Hanamori to do it. And Hanamori is like, well, I can't refuse a request from someone with an afro. And I was just like, what is this line? Like, I, uh, right. I'm so confused about like the context of this and like 
how this makes any sense in Japan. I was just like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think it's more of like an out, I, I think it's really seen more as an outdated hairstyle. Like it was really popular, for example, in America, like in the 60s and 70s, like in the civil rights. Yeah. Black, black you know, um, Black Panther, like black movement, black power movement. But it's seen more of an outdated style. And I look at the different Amaras and they're all like in their shabby clothes. It's seen, Banba's afro was kind of seen as like sh- cheapish, kind of like, uh, eh, she didn't try. Yeah. So it's kind of like sh- the shabby look. So I'm like, okay, it's not well put together. So they kind of phase out those jokes later, which I appreciate. But I'm just kind of like, ah, eh, I'm over it. I still love Banba though. But, you know, yeah. that. I mean, yeah, it's so hard. Because, I mean, there's, in addition to fashion, like, hair is very important in this manga, like, with all the wigs that they wear. And, you know, in addition to putting on fancy clothes, you can't just put on fancy clothes and then not do your hair, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's impossible. So I'm just like, uh, I wish there was better hair commentary in regards to Banba. Uh. Yeah. But, you know, we can't, you can't have a Jose or Shoujo, shoujo manga without something problematic i mean you can't have anything without it being somewhat problematic but yeah and it's like i tell people because before i started reading manga as a kid i'm a big uh comic reader so i love the x-men and i can you know tell you marvel comic lore and all that stuff so i tell people i'm like yo we can critique what we consume don't ever think you can you know be into your fandom about whatever and you yet you'll everything will be perfect and daisies and sunshine no you're gonna come around something that makes you uncomfortable or something that's like sleazy or like some writer that represents women like in a gross way or hypersexual what what have you critique the critique your fandoms it's fine to do that i mean do so in a way that you know you that makes sense right i'm just like oh this guy you know, women, women who write comics, they don't make money. That is untrue, right? Like, their stories are boring. That is untrue. You know, if there's a particular something that didn't make sense, like, say so and make sense yourself. But, yeah, you, we can critique the media and media texts and, and uh, fandoms that we consume, and there's nothing wrong with that. It makes it better. Yes, I'm all about that philosophy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then the only straight point that I had was that I did do an episode of the anime feminist podcast that has not come out as of this recording, but like, I don't know when it's going to come out. Maybe it'll be out by the time I release this episode. Uh, But it was on (laughs) shoujo manga generally. And I was like, Oh, I really love maid Sama because it deals with like gender and social class and, uh, you know, privilege and all those things. And they were like, you will really love princess jellyfish. And I was like, that is true. And also I feel like Kurenosuke is like the much, much better version of one of the characters that comes in later in Beidzama, <laughs> who like just like attacks Misaki, the main character's like sister, because she oh. like doesn't care about fashion. Yeah, and yes. then he like remakes her, and then that's what you know attracts uh, one of the like her eventual husband to her is like seeing her, and he's all like he's all about like finding diamonds in the rough and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. transforming them. And I'm like, that is what Kurenosuke has done, but in a far less creepy way. And and I appreciate it. This is this is the version we like. This, yeah. this, we'll, we'll do with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I am, again, very interested to see how the story goes and uh, to compare them in my mind. Because uh, uh, Maid-sama is very much more of a stereotypical, like, shoujo, yes, tropey nonsense yes. thing. But <laughs> I really like Misaki. Thanks for listening to Shoujo and Tell. Comments, questions, constructive criticism, concerns? Need to gush about your OTP? 
Email shoujoandtell at gmail.com or leave a comment on shoujoandtell.com slash princessjellyfish1. We're at shoujoandtell on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. I think those are the four. I don't know. <laughs> um, Carrie, where can people find you on the internet? Hey, you can find me on, at, on Twitter as Divine Black Pearl. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-B-L-K Pearl. P-E-A-R-L, Pearl, on Twitter, where I discuss manga and comics and women in comics and memes and, like, a lot of memes and wrestling gifts. <laughs> like, a lot of memes and wrestling gifts. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Are you excited every time you see a new episode from us? If so, please consider leaving a rating in iTunes or Stitcher. This will help the podcast reach more hearts, or at least ears. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time, naturally, for the second half of Princess Jellyfish. Um, so I'm sure that everybody will like get a pet jellyfish or something, and the Han Dynasty will be revived or whatever Mayaya wants to happen. <laughs> Revive Revived. the Han Dynasty. <laughs> uh, definitely can't wait to find out. <laughs> Either way. Uh, so until then, bye. Bye. bye.